0: Well, good morning, if you want to turn to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to finish just finish up halfway through Philippians today. I'm going to start in verse 14 and then go all the way to the end of the chapter, Philippians 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord to Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and soldier, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me." Well, let's start just by reviewing what we've talked about, because it's going to tie back in. And a few weeks ago, we covered what's commonly called the Christ hymn, which is the beginning of Philippians chapter 2. And the key verse there for today is, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So here's Christ, he has exaltation, all glory, power belong to him, and he lays that down of his own accord because he wanted to, because he wanted to serve others. And so Paul exhorts the Philippians, "...do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves." So we're to have this other-mindedness, is what we called it, which I think I got that from Wes and Jill, that song that they have, Otherness. This otherness, we're not selfishness, but otherness. We're to be like Christ, and that we're looking to the interests of others, not our own interests. And that's his word to the Philippians, and that's going to tie back in today. And then last week, we talked about grumbling, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing, and so we talked about grumbling, and just to summarize, since we're going to kind of hit that again, we talked about how it's a serious it's a command it's a serious command. Uh, it says right after that that we may be blameless and innocent children of God. What a serious what a serious thing uh, God really looks at our attitude and it really matters to him, not just that we're here on Sunday. Not just our outward actions, but what's our attitude throughout the week, today, in our heart. And we talked about emotions. We talked about how the world has two main philosophies on emotion. If something bothers you, the world says that's who you are. If, you're, if you feel like you can't handle a situation, quit your job. If you feel like your marriage is too hard, leave. And... All those feelings that you have—that's who you truly are. That's what the world says. That's on one end of the spectrum, and that's not true. That's not who you really are. Your feelings aren't who you are, and you don't have to act on them. On the other hand, the opposite end of the spectrum uh, is invalidate those feelings. Oh, uh, That's not—you shouldn't feel bad. You should—you shouldn't feel like you can't handle it. You shouldn't feel down. Just reject all that and don't act on it. And that's not the Bible's. Uh, god's position on emotions either god doesn't say your emotions are who you are but he also doesn't say if you have an emotion like anger or sadness that uh that's just invalid just push it down ignore it the biblical position is right in the middle which is you do vent your emotions but you vent them in the right direction which is to god so if you are feeling overwhelmed you are feeling like you can't make it give that don't reject that don't push it down don't, but don't also don't just live it out, whatever you feel like it is. You need to pour it out to God. And that's hard for us. Often we're, it's hard to be thorough with God and actually say how you really feel. But the psalmist did a really good job of it. We talked about Psalm 39, where he ends the psalm saying, God, turn your face away from me so I can die cheerful. That's how he really felt. He felt like, this is so hard, I just can't take this. This trial is just too difficult. And he just poured his heart out to God and we t- and we talked about it. if i ended my prayer you know at the end of my sermon that way god turn your face away from me so i can die cheerful i would get some talks after the sermon because that's not acceptable in our culture right to just pour out exactly what you're feeling especially in the context of church but that's what that's what the psalmist did there and they sang that together which is pretty amazing so we have a middle position the biblical position your feelings are not who you are. You don't have to do live by them. They don't have to control you. And yet, you don't deny them and push them all down. You pour them out to God. Uh, and I think we struggle with both sides of that. I do. And so, grumbling. You have feelings. Things aren't the way they should be. How do you handle that? What do we do? Well, we talked about first silence. Psalm 39 says... I was I am silent I hope I don't say anything for it's you, God who've done it that's my paraphrase, and so we first just don't say anything you've got a hard situation, you're feeling frustrated, you feel like grumbling, just close your mouth, and then what you've got time to think and you could even pray that to God, God, you put me in this situation you've done it. this is hard, but you've put me here I'm going to trust you. so silence, realize God put us here, and then pour your heart out to God. This is as hard as you feel it is. Tell God. I think I said in the last sermon, if you feel like somebody just emotionally pushed you through a glass window and is kicking you while you're down, say that. God, I feel like I'm I'm getting emotionally dragged through a glass window, and, and it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. I need help. I can't go on like this. You tell God however you feel. You're honest with God. And we have a lot of examples of that in the Psalms. But what we don't do is grumble. We don't grumble because God put us here. God's got a plan, and we have a place to pour out every feeling we've got. And God, praise the Lord, wants to hear it. He doesn't invalidate it and say, you shouldn't feel so bad. This isn't that bad. He's there, and he's pleased, pleased enough to put in a whole book, the biggest book in the Bible, of people pouring their heart out to God in ways that, for us, as modern evangelical Christians feels really raw and almost unacceptable really uh, and yet here it is in the bibles people pouring their heart out to god and so that is a summary kind of a long summary of where we've been and then this week we're going to basically review because that's basically what paul does here from 219 through 30 with Three examples, and I guess I should have said 17 through 30. Paul gives two examples, and then he's an example of both otherness and not grumbling. And so we're just going to kind of review, but we're going to walk through this text here, and I'll tell you my points so you know what they are. First point realize when we're focused or looking, focused on ourselves or looking at ourselves. Point number two, look to God. Point number three, look to serve others. So I'll say that one more time. Realize when you're looking at yourself or focused on yourself. Point two, look to God. And point three, look to serve others. And so one thing we can talk about starting is, is grumbling. When we talked about grumbling last week, it really becomes clear that grumbling is something we do when we're focused on ourselves. And I just thought I would ask you, how'd it go this week? I mean, if you thought about the sermon this week, maybe you're just so busy you didn't even think about it, which is fine. Uh, I understand I've had weeks like that, for sure, where you're just going, going, going. But if you had time to think about it, how did it go? It feels like this interesting situation that reminds me of a situation I read in a book uh, C.S. Lewis has a book called Letters to Malcolm Chiefly on Prayer and it's just letters between him and a friend about prayer and so they're discussing all these things in the first few letters about prayer oh do we pray with a prayer that's written out do we do prayer like this how about prayer in the church service how do we handle prayer and so they're discussing all these intricacies of prayer and then suddenly a few letters in Malcolm's son is deathly ill and the, t- and the tone totally changes. And why is that? It's because real life invaded their conversation, and they realize, and, and Lewis in his letter to Malcolm acknowledges, we were kind of discussing this like it's theoretical and now it's real. And that's kind of how I feel about last week. It's like, here, we talk about grumbling. Get up here, hey, talk about grumbling. Should we grumble? No, we shouldn't. It doesn't honor God. We've got to, you know, trust God. And then you walk out of the building and you go live your regular life and suddenly it's real. And it's different. It's not just, let's talk about it and say, yeah, let's all agree. Let's not grumble. It doesn't honor God. Suddenly you're in the real world and you get real emails and people really are short or whatever happens in your daily life. Kids really do misbehave, you know. Surprise! (laughs) And what are you going to do? It's real. It becomes real and it changes. It changes it because uh, it heats it up. It's not just this intellectual discussion up here. Here's your real emotions, your real heart, and you really feel like grumbling. Now what? And so that's how I felt this week is it's easy to talk about it and then the whole thing is different when you really live it out. And so first thing this week is... Realize when we're focused on ourself. Of the two things really that we have reviewed are otherness, focusing on serving others like Christ, have that mind that Christ had, and then grumbling. And in both cases, we need to realize when we're looking at ourselves or focused on ourselves. And if you think about grumbling, it really is when we focus on ourselves, isn't it? I didn't have any struggle this week grumbling about your problems. It didn't bother me. (laughs) I heard, you know, things that uh, somebody might say, yeah, I got a flat tire. And you know what? I didn't struggle a little bit to grumble about that. I just thought, oh, that's too bad. You know? It's It's when it's me. That's when I struggle to grumble. When it's my time, when it's my comfort, when it's my plans put aside. And I think that's how it is for most of us. It's grumbling about our own condition, my own desires, my own interests. And so I've got to realize that when I feel like grumbling... I've got to notice, hey, are you a little too focused on your plans today, on yourself today, on what's going on with you today? Uh, because it really isn't my time, right? It's God's time. And he, it's his plan for my life. It's not my plan that matters. It's not my preferences that really matter. It's God's preferences that really matter. It's not my interests, my desires. It's all God's. And so when I get focused on those things too much, then I begin to grumble. Because... I've got my eyes in the wrong place. I've got my eyes on myself. And I want you to look at these examples here in this text of people who are focused on others. Look at Paul here at the end. He's our first example. Verse 17. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. It's pretty amazing here, he's saying, if I die in prison, they sentence me to death. If that happens, so starts by looking at himself, and then he points them and himself away from himself to others. Well, rejoice with me, because I'm being poured out for the offering of your faith. I'm here for you, I'm not here for me. That's pretty amazing, really. So he's saying, I'm going to rejoice if I'm able to pour my life out for you, even if that means all the way to death. Well, that sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? And that sounds very others-focused. Here I am about to die, but you know what? I'm going to look away from myself. Yeah, it's not going to be pleasant, especially he's here in a, in a Roman prison. Not going to be pleasant, but what he's looking at is not his own circumstances, his own, his own interests, his own preferences, his own comfort. He's looking at others around him and how he can be a blessing to them. And that changes his view, and he's able to rejoice in the worst circumstances instead of grumbling because he's not looking at himself. Who else? Well, look at, Paul gives two more examples, Timothy and Epaphroditus, both of which uh, he are, good, are good examples of looking away from themselves. Look at verse 21. This is about Timothy. Well, I guess I should go back to 20. For I have no one like him, that's Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare for they all seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. So he's saying Timothy, Timothy is really a person who really, really, really is concerned about others in a special way. No one like Timothy, he said. They, there are many people, he says he knows a lot of people, who seek their own interests and not those of Jesus. Timothy is an example to the Philippians of someone who looks at others and is there to serve others and not looking at self. And it says something too. Something to note too is that they really know Timothy and he says that in verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth. So they've met this guy. This isn't just some biography that you read about some guy who lived in the 1800s, although those are good. This is a real guy who the people in the church have met and he's saying, look, this guy, Timothy, really is concerned about others, and that's that's good to have those real life examples. something for us to think about. Is there someone in your life that you can think of, hey, this person is really concerned about others. I'd like to be more like that. Uh, In our church, there's a lot of people who, I'm very thankful, uh, are outward focused looking to God, looking to others, uh, serving others. And then the last is Epaphroditus. So he's sent from the Philippians to Paul to give money, and then now Paul's sending him back. And notice how concerned he is with others. This is pretty amazing. Verse 26, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. He's about to die, and what is he concerned about? His own time, comfort, preferences, desires, and interests? He's concerned, he's there sick dying, and he's concerned that the Philippians heard he's sick. He's about to die, and he's concerned, oh no, they're going to be distressed when they hear I'm sick out here. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty others' focus. He's not focused on his own self. He's about literally to die, and he's thinking, wow, I'm concerned about the church, the sending church back home is going to be really worried about me. That's a pretty amazing example, really. And you see why Paul included it here It sums up so well these two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, as well as Paul himself, sum up this chapter really well about otherness, about Christ-mindedness, about not grumbling, about pouring yourself out for others. They're good examples, real-life examples. A good example is a wonderful thing. It's much better than a sermon, you know. It's much better than knowing the verse just to see the real thing lived out, it teaches almost better than anything. There's some things you can't learn by example. Or you can't learn but by example. At least for me there are. There's a lot of things that, home projects, I try and open up a home improvement book and I look at it and I try and, what do I need to do here? I just can't do I need somebody to show me. I can't do it. And in many ways I'm thankful in the same way in the Christian life. There's things that, there's verses I've read, there's, you know, books that I've read and then somebody doing something in real life it just hits me like nothing else ever did wow that's what that meant that's what it should look like and it's striking so the first point was realize when we're looking focused on ourselves. if we're grumbling that's one thing we can know and, and really think about am I thinking about myself and then what? what do we do once we've noticed that we look to God Look away from ourselves and look to God. And this comes up in a couple of different examples here. Right after He said, Do all things without grumbling, he says in verse sixteen, Holding fast to the Word of Life. Holding fast to the Word of Life. So that's one way we can look to God. We can we can look to what He's said. We can look to what, what God has said. The word of life could be the Bible, could be Jesus Himself too. Jesus is the word uh, in John 1, but really it's probably talking about the word of God, the Bible, his spoken words, the gospel is the word of life too as a possible interpretation of that. There's a couple other places I want you to just notice here quickly in these verses about looking to God. Verse 24, Paul talks about trusting the Lord that shortly He'll come also. He's in this difficult situation. He could die, but he's saying, I'm trusting the Lord here. I'm trusting the Lord that I'll come to you soon. And then verse 21 as well. For they all seek their own interests and not those of Jesus. So, Contrasting this self-looking, self-interest to the interests of Christ, looking to others, looking to Christ. And so Timothy is a good example of looking to God, looking to the interests of Christ. That's where we want. That's what we want to do. We want to look, look to God each day and not look to ourselves, look to our own interests. Because where's the hope? Really, where's the hope? Where's the power for all these things that we're talking about? It's in Jesus. We had another sermon, just about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you, both to will and to do. We can't do this on our own. You know the the command, do all things without grumbling. It's impossible without Jesus. If we're looking at ourselves, even in the area of grumbling, here I'm looking down. Was I grumbling this week? You know, looking inward, looking at ourselves. We're never going to make it. We've got to look outward and look to God. God, help me to not grumble. You gave me your spirit. You, you gave me this command. But I'm going to trust that you will do what you said and you'll help me. You'll help me to live it out. We look to God. That verse, let's just read it again. It's so good. From Psalm 39, I'll read it to you. This is the verse for me this past couple of weeks. Just... What a verse. I'd love to just live this verse out. The rest of my life. Affect me for the rest of my life. That would be that would be a huge blessing. Psalm thirty nine nine. I am silent. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Boy. I just want to do that. Here comes this difficult situation. What am I gonna do? Look away from myself? Look to God. You did it. I'm going to trust you, God. You're in control. God, if you let's think about it this way. Remember, the, remember where we live, right? We live in Missouri, United States, on the earth, in, in the Milky Way, in the universe, right? Just think about the, the vastness, the, the hugeness of just the Milky Way. I think it was 200,000 light years across, just our little galaxy. 200,000 years for light to get from one end to the other end. God's got control of all that. Surely he can handle a difficult email, right? He can. Of course he can. And we can work up from there. If God sees the sparrows, he, he knows me. He knows where I'm at. He knows what's going on. And we can look to him. But not only there, we don't want to stop there. We want to look to serve others. We want to look to serve others just like Paul, just like Timothy, and just like Epaphroditus, they were not looking inward. They were looking to God, but they're also looking outward. How can I serve others? How can I serve the Philippians? Timothy, Timothy was thinking, Paul rather, was thinking, how can I serve the Philippians even in my death? Well, I can. it's like a sacrificial offering poured out on their death. What else? Timothy was going to come and Paul was convinced he's not going to be looking out for his own interests, He's going to be looking out for yours, and same for Epaphroditus, dying, looking and thinking, "What's going on with the Philippians? I think they're probably going to be discouraged when they hear about me dying here." And he's more concerned about that than his own than his own death. If we're, if we're grumbling, realize we're focused on ourselves. Look to God, and then look to serve others. Let's just talk about a couple of practical things we could do. This week I was thinking about this message and then real life came crashing in and thinking, praying, God, oh please don't let me be a hypocrite. How horrible would it be to be teaching something and then just totally blow it, you know, and just be a total hypocrite, not even realize it. That would be really, really sad. Um, And I don't want to be like that. And... Uh, so I actually prayed, God, would you? I pray, God, would you put some things in my life to where I'm actually challenged, and I and I have to live this out, <laughs> which is an interesting thing, because uh, God likes to do that, um, and it's always harder than we think it's going to be. But with the practical thing that helped me this week, and I'll give you two practical suggestions. Not from the text uh, here exactly, but ways that was help, were helpful to me this week. So when I felt like grumbling, I thought, oh, well, this is basically my message here. I need to realize I'm focusing on myself, look to God, and then how can I look to others? And for me, the thing that helped me this week, I've got this app, and I'm going to tell you what it's called. It's called NPL, the letters NPL. PRAYER, P-R-A-Y-E-R. It stands for No Place Left Prayer. And uh, people put it together to try and pray for every village in India, Nepal, uh, Pakistan. There's a couple more in that Asian region that I am forgetting. But they're wanting to pray for every village. And so it just pops up a village name. It says, how many people live in this village? And it gives you like four things you can pray for and also gives you unreached people groups, too. And it's really encouraging uh, to see, here's this village of 56 people, and, you know, there's less than 1% Christian in India, Evangelical Christian. And just to think and pray for that village, whatever, you don't know what's going on there, it just gives you the name and how many people live there, and to think... Here's my problems. Here's what I'm tempted to grumble about. And these people haven't even heard, probably, the name of Jesus. And just puts it in perspective and helps. It just really helps. Look away from ourselves, look to others, and just say, God. Well, actually, you know what? I didn't think about this. I'm just going to do this right now, I'm just going to pull this up. I'm not going to say this right. You ready? Saista KD Village in the Hazer subject, Subdistrict of Bhopal in India. 713 eternal souls live here. Pray that God would break down every spiritual stronghold keeping people from Him and inspire believers in nearby cities to travel here and share the gospel. Something about that is so helpful. It's like, it puts your problems in perspective. Here's this person back in India, no, you know, in the middle of nowhere, likely. Uh, and they probably have no church in their village. They might not have any Christians. Likely, they don't. God, would you send somebody to tell them about Jesus, so they could know about salvation, so they could know that there's hope, so they're not just bowing down to these little idols in their in their house and giving them food, just send somebody tell them about the real and living God, and it helps. It helps refocus your heart and refocus what really matters. There's another app too called Prayer Mate, uh, and that has different things you can select, and they'll pull something for you every day, like they're for. Different topics, and one of them is for the persecuted church. And there's an organization I don't know anything about it, but their little prayer updates are really good. It's called Open Doors USA. And there's a little blurb every day on my phone when I pray about the persecuted church, and it says, "So and so, husband, was died, and this week, and it was one of the updates in India was." Through persecution, Would you pray for her? Pray that as she goes back to her village she can be a light. Pray for her kids who are growing up without a father. And it's just helpful. It's just helpful to me to not grumble where I'm at. To look to God. God, you know. You know what this lady needs. Thank you that she knows you. I pray these kids would go up to know you and be servants and lovers of Jesus. And... Serve others, pour out your grace on them, and just refocuses priorities, your heart, your emotions. Those are just two practical ways I mean for me, that may or may not uh, be good for you, maybe you're a book person, maybe just grab a book. Uh, there's a lot of books that are filled with the details about different. Countries and what's going on, and how you can pray for the persecuted church. There, Operation World is a book like that, and could be really helpful. I hope get our eyes off ourselves and on on onto God, onto others, and what really matters, and really reframes what's going on in our life. This is the way we want to be. I was talking to a friend this week about these verses, and he said. What a difference would it make in the world and in the church if everybody just considered others as more important than themselves? It really would. It would change everything. It would be remarkable if that's if we could just do the simple things that Jesus called us to do. I'm going to close here with a story from the life of Robert Chapman. I think you may have heard this before. I think you probably have, but it's worth telling again. So Robert Chapman lived in England. And he liked to preach out in the open. People didn't really like it back then either. And he got quite a bit of opposition. And there was a grocer in town who actually came up and spit in his face. Really did not like Chapman. So that's kind of the context of this story. So for a number of years, the grocer continued to attack and castigate Chapman. Yet Chapman continued on in his ministry, and when opportunity presented itself, he reached out to bless this grocer. The opportunity arose when one of Chapman's wealthy relatives visited him in Barnstaple. That's where he lived. The visit was more than just a social call. The relative wanted to try and understand what Chapman was doing. And when he arrived at the house by horse-drawn cab, he couldn't believe that the um, Chapman was kind of from a rich background. That the well bred Chapman lived in such a modest home and an impoverished neighborhood, yet Chapman warmly received him and invited him into his home. As they talked, Chapman explained what it meant to live in dependence on the Lord and shared how the Lord always met his needs. The relative asked if he could buy groceries for Chapman, who gladly agreed, but Chapman insisted that he buy groceries from a certain store at a certain grocer's shop. Yes, the grocer who had vehemently attacked him. Ignorant of the previous interactions between the grocer and Chapman, the relative went to where he had been directed, selected and paid for a large amount of food, and then told the grocer to deliver it to R.C. Chapman. The stunned grocer told the visitor that he must have come to the wrong shop, but the visitor explained that Chapman specifically sent him to that shop. Soon the grocer, grocer arrived at Chapman's house where he broke down in tears and asked for forgiveness and yielded his life to Christ. This is what the author says. We can hardly begin to imagine what God will do when his people truly love as Christ loved. What a good example. Not looking to his own interests, not looking to his own comfort, turning his eyes away from himself, his comfort, as time, his preferences looking to god what's really important here god souls souls are what's really important and god you're in control would you bless this grocer would you use something in his life to turn him to you and would you help me to do it and he looked outward how can i how can i be a servant to others what an opportunity to be a witness think about the witness that was to the grocer that he didn't complain he didn't tell the guy who was going there. Yeah, there's this guy who is terrible and he spit, he spits in my face and he does this and he does that. He just was trying to bless him. And what what a wonderful example of Christ in the world. And we can be that. Little things throughout the day. We don't have to, doesn't have to be a big thing. It can just be little things throughout the day that we turn our eyes to God, turn our eyes off ourselves and Look outward. How can I be like Jesus? How can I serve the people around me? God, help me to love people like you did. I need, I need help. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these few verses here. Uh, thank you for Paul. Thank you for Timothy. Thank you for Epaphroditus and how they served others and how they loved you. I pray that you'd help us. Would you help us to be more like that? Forgive us how self-focused we get. And would you change us? We don't want to be this way forever. We want to be more like you every day, and we need help. We hand these things to you. Thank you that you love us, and you want even more than we do. You want us to grow and and be more like you. We're thankful for that. Thank you for sending your Son, Father. Jesus, thank you for dying, and... Thank you for sending this spirit, and I pray that you would help us today. We want to abide in you, help us, and just confess, we do, we've got an attention problem and a focus problem, and we, I do, and focus on myself too much. Would you turn my attention to you and to others? We do want to be, as a church, shining as lights in the world. we need everyday every helps. Would you help us? We do pray for these different things we brought up. We don't just want to use them as examples. And that's it. We do pray for uh, Asian countries where there's hardly any Christian witness. Would you send the gospel? And would you bring people to share the gospel? And would you cause the gospel to bear fruit and that in 50 and 100 years, there'd be missionaries coming back here from India and Nepal and Pakistan. And I pray for this lady that, whose husband died and in India. And I can't imagine going back into the village. And I can't imagine those kids. Um, just bless them, God. Would you pour out your spirit on the home? on the kids, and would you make up for all that, uh, the dad they lost, and be especially near and real to them. Uh, you can do it, and we ask that you would make up that physical, earthly loss with a spiritual father that's especially near and real to them. We hand it to you, God, your good God. Thank you for the people in our lives, and. You know who they are uh, that have been an example to us. Thank you for them. Pray you bless them. Help us to be more other-centered like them. Amen.